BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This episode of the Stardom Cast is sponsored by Puro TV your one-stop shop for all your Puro DVD needs. From Stardom to New Japan, from All Japan to Ice Ribbon, as well as incredible box sets documenting the best matches of your favorite Japanese wrestling icons, Puro TV has it covered with new items added every week. And now, as a special gift to listeners of the Stardom cast, Puro TV are offering 10% off. Simply go to puro-tv.com Use the promo code STARDOMCAST at checkout and get 10% off your entire order. Once again, that's the code STARDOMCAST to receive 10% off your entire order. The link to their website is in the podcast description. And now, on with the episode. Hey, this is Kevin Kelly. Get ready for the latest episode of the STARDOMCAST. Hello guys and welcome to the Stardom Cast, your weekly audio source of all things world wondering stardom. I'm your host Rob Goodwin and I am joined by the man who will be returning to a wrestling ring near you on Saturday. It's only Matt Turner. Matt, how are you good sir? Good one, my friend. I am fantastic as always and yes, I'm excited. This will be my first match back. Um, in about a little over three months, this is in my 20 years of doing the independence. This is the longest time I've been off, obviously, just the litany of just injuries, trying to heal up. My, obviously, the major one was the uh, one to my foot, 
And it's kind of funny. We always say how uh, we're uh, an entire ocean away and we get along so well. We have this great chemistry. We had our, we had both of our injuries to our, our, uh, to our foot, feet, uh, whatever you want to say, pretty much all at the same time as well. But uh, my, my injury was a little bit cooler than yours, but another story for another day. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm going to be wrestling um, at the, uh, the Falcon's Nest in Mayfield, Pennsylvania, just outside Scranton. Um, we're doing a benefit for my friends, Adina Steele and Philly Mike Swanson. Adina and Mike both got her uh, injured wrestling. And <laughs> I guess it's a common theme. Uh, not only can they not be making any income on wrestling, but they can't do their day, day jobs as well. So that's why nice little benefit. Come on out and, you know, help out uh, a really good brother and a really good sister. And if you're at the show, stop by my merch table and say hello. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Matt, you did say that you did yours in a slightly cooler way. I can imagine about 1,500 ways that are cooler than I was talking to my cat and fell down a stair. Like, there's there's no way of sugarcoating that to make it sound cool. At least you were doing some sort of, were you doing a cross body or something into the crowd? Yeah, I did. A, I jumped out. We, me and Andy, we do this spot. It's so funny because I think FWC does it. Um, where Andy will run off the ropes and he'll do a suicide between the second and third, and I'll come off the post and do a dive. Um, and there was no barricade, so my opponent was in the third row. And I'm like, yeah, right, I can make that, no problem. And it was a tag tournament. We were supposed to wrestle. We were supposed to win the tournament, kayfabe. Uh, and it was the very first match, and when I hit the guy into the third row, I came down on my foot, and I was like, oh, this isn't good. This is. I felt a real sharp pain that I don't think I've ever felt before. I'm like, yeah, this isn't good. I got up to try to put weight on it. I'm like, we have to take it home. Um, and then once I got to the back, I took my kick pad off and my shoe and I just iced it. And then I started calling the next two matches until the doctor and the promoter's like, yeah, you're not wrestling. Like, no, 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 no. I'm like, I can, I can work through it. I can work through it. So yeah, that's how you were talking to your cat, even though it's adorable. Don't get me wrong. It's absolutely adorable. And I actually have a story about my cat. Once we get into the crux of the podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's how, uh, that's how I did, did mine. Did not go see a doctor, but I'm pretty sure I, uh, I tore a whole bunch of, uh, things inside it. Because when you showed me the picture of your foot, I was like, mine is three times as worse as his. And I'm not showing this to anybody because I still have <laughs> two or three shows that I committed to do. And I wrestle, I still wrestled on it two or three more times. And then once like the holidays hit, I was like, yeah, I'm going to take time to, uh, to, to rest up my body, especially this foot. So, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to get back in the ring uh, this Saturday. Should be a, a fun, fun time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, We're going to get straight into some hard, nitty-gritty questions. Before we throw to the Patreon, before we go into the news, we've got some hard-hitting questions from you, the listeners. Um, Midnight Dreary, um, who is on our Discord, hello, Midnight, how are you, Um, says, I think you should both say three nice things about your wives and girlfriend. Gratitude matters. Um, So I don't know if we've been... I don't know, slightly, uh, slightly, not disrespectful, but I don't know if we've been painting our significant others in uh, a poor light, maybe. I don't know, but uh, we have been requested, Matt, to say three nice things, and I will let you go first because I definitely need to. You want me to go? So you want me to go one, two, three? You want me to go one, tag you, and you want me to just go one, two, three? Oh, no, you, no. F- quick fire rapid fire i want all three. Oh, okay That's, okay well that'll give you some time okay i mean obviously <laughs> i talk about my wife all the time in this podcast uh one i mean she's an absolute lifesaver i mean I, I can literally do series of podcasts talking about everything she's done obviously the main thing uh is i was a single dad when i met her and she really turned my 
life around and my daughter's life around in a big, big way. And she will be married to be 11 years. God bless her. Uh, this June. So we've been together for, I think, like 13, 14 years. So that's the very first thing is compliment I can give her. And I remind her that on a daily basis. Number two, she's a phenomenal cook. Absolutely phenomenal cook. As a professional wrestler, especially in America, you're trying to get as big as possible. Uh, for some reason, I can never get past 175 pounds. Uh, once I met my wife, I understood uh, cooking and great cooking and uh, how to lift weights and take uh, your, your protein and creatine. And now I'm tipping over 200 pounds. So a lot of that has to do with her fantastic cooking and forces me to do so much more cardio. So I look halfway decent <laughs> when I'm half naked wrestling. Uh, that's the second thing. Uh, and three, it's just... Um, I mean, geez, what more can I say that she makes everything better? I mean, she just makes everything better. There's, I always say I haven't a bad day in 18 years ever since my daughter was born, but it's kind of very much like once I met my wife is my life was like the wizard of Oz. Rob, have you ever seen the wizard of Oz? Of course. Of course. Okay. Great movie, right? If that whole entire movie was in black and white, great movie. My life was in black and white. It was great. Don't get me wrong. Until I met my wife. Once I met my wife, my life has been in nothing but vivid, vivid colors. And I'm sure there's sometimes that she wants a, a storm to blow me away to Oz, but that's just, uh, <laughs> that's just how it is. And yeah, who knows? Maybe someday, uh, if they're brave enough, maybe we'll have Amber and Christy on the podcast. And I'm sure they'll get along great because they'll probably like, Jesus Christ, they all talk about wrestling and stardom all the time. It's at a point, literally, when I come home from work and I change out of my fancy clothes and my comfy clothes and I pretty much start doing, uh, you know, some homework and some stuff for the podcast, I'll either have like a Mayu shirt on or your Tommy shirt on. She's like, can you just wear like an Iron Man shirt or Captain America shirt? I'm like, well, I'm not going anywhere. She's like, I'm just so sick of just looking at it. So uh, <laughs> God bless them. God bless them for, for, put, for putting up with the, the two of us, sir. But no, my wife is an absolute gem. So there's three things, but I can do about 300. So I hope that was well. Rob, did I give you enough time or do you want me to Memphis it and stall a little bit longer for you? No, I think I've just about managed to cobble together now. In all seriousness, it's uh, it's very easy to come up with three. Um, she's she's great, my girlfriend, bless her. Um, uh, for a start, like, I, she keeps me alive in uh, in multiple ways. I am an absolute klutz. Um, I am clumsy. I'm unhealthy. Um, I'm extremely scatterbrained, which I blame on ADHD. Um, so she does quite literally, uh, keep me alive. And she has number two, like number two, godlike amounts of patience. Um, I say in, uh, on the acknowledgements of all of my books about how, uh, she has a lot of patience to have me just sitting alone in my room, uh, watching weird wrestling, uh, while she sits alone downstairs. So, you know, I can't thank her enough for that. She lets me do what I enjoy, and uh, often it's it's a lot of time I spend either researching or writing or podcasting. So to have that sort of support and patience, even though she could not care less about wrestling, um, means the absolute world. And second, she's just my best friend. She's weird. She's so weird, but that they make the best relationships. You know, it, it's never boring. It's never dull um she can always make me laugh and uh yeah it's 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 a fun time living in uh living in our household so uh yeah i think i think we've done our due diligence there matt i think we've managed to provide three solid reasons each you know mr Ra, i've never asked you this question we literally text all the time and talk all the time and it's something that even my wife has brought up in conversation i never asked you this question if you don't mind me asking sir how long have you and uh, your girlfriend been together 
Um, we will have been together 13 years in May. Wow. Yeah, you're right around the same time as uh, me and Amber. We'll be, I believe the summer will be 14 years. So how about that? Yeah, it's it's we met at uni um, and sort of through a, a mutual friend. And then, uh, yeah, we got together in the third year of our university or college for our American listeners. Um, and yeah, sort of went from there. And now we live together. And I imagine she massively regrets her life choices. But, you know, that's that's by the by. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she... I'm ex- I'm... <laughs> God, I'm sorry. It's all right. <laughs> it's all right. Um, yeah, 13 years, and she lives with a huge man-child who watches uh, who watches loads of obscure wrestling on the internet. But uh, she doesn't complain. <laughs> I'm excited for when we get to meet. Whether it's you coming to the states or me going to England, or whether we do get to live the uh, the big big dream of uh, us covering a show. Sorry, Michelle, in Japan, if our significant others come with us where me and you will probably go to a bar and get blistered drunk, and the two of them will probably just shake their heads. Because my wife is not a drinker at all. I think I've seen her drunk twice in the 13 years <laughs> that we've been together. But I'm just excited for the – I think the two of them would become fast friends because I think they would have so much pity on each other because of the fact that they're, they're literally <laughs> – again, another thing we have in common. We've been with our significant others for 13 years. Unbelievable. Literally talk to you every day, just about every day for, I don't know, 13, 14 months since I've been on the pod. And like, oh, yeah, by the way, we've been together about the same time as you and your wife. So, uh, you know, God bless them. They're the best midnight if that's what you need to know they're the absolute best and would be lost without them absolutely absolutely i love the fact that they'd be bonded through pity (laughs) um let's bring this screeching round to uh at least something that uh, resembles stardom shall we uh matt what is coming up on the patreon this week uh first of all thank you to all the new patreon members holy jeepers i mean everything Everything on this show is every day we always see some sort of increasement, but I think it's something like a dozen new Patreon members already this month. So uh, thank you to uh, all the new Patreon members. And I'm sure Rob has the list there. He'll give him a shout out on Uno El Minuto. But um, I did say once we get to 50 Patreon members, we will be doing two bonus episodes. And as of this morning, we're at 52. So I will put my money where my mouth is. So Rob and I will be doing the alternate commentary. Hopefully, we'll get these two done sometime by the end of February. Uh, We'll be doing the alternate commentary to Shiri defending the World of Stardom Championship against Julia from Queendo. And also, I will be doing a complete World of Stardom title run review of Sherry, and that'll be available not just for the uh, three and five dollar tier, that'll be available for the one dollar tier as well. So, any tier that you are, you're going to be getting those uh, bonus episodes. So, if you're on the one dollar tier and you're thinking about upgrading to either the three or the five, well, here's basically a free preview for you, and basically the same thing as well. If you're on the three dollar tier and your content puts a free preview for you. And if you're on the fence about joining the Patreon, literally a dollar a month, that's a quarter a week, will get you these two episodes. And if you like it and want to stay on, by all means, you know, if not, no big deal. So that'll be, again, Rob, Rob, I'll have to get with you. Hopefully we can get that done by the end of the month. Uh, But as far as what has been released this past Monday, uh, Rob and I did the alternate commentary to Izumi defending the High Speed Championship against Starlight Kid from uh, October 3rd, 2020. And just last night, I just recorded and put up on the, uh, on, on the, on the Google Share Drive for Sean, to, um, for Sean to edit and put together. I got to send the write-up. Um, Azumi versus Starlight Kid. 
the uh, I have seven matches, seven singles matches that I watched, reviewed, and recorded a podcast on. So those will probably be up in the feed in about a week. And at the end of the month, we're going to be doing Kyrie Hojo versus Io Shirai. I'll be going through every single one of their singles matches and maybe a bonus match here or there. Um, all depends on my time, and that'll be up for the White and Red Belt tier Patreon members at the end of this month. But uh, also this Monday will be another watch along episode. And Rob, uh, why don't you tell listeners what we're we'll going to be uh, watching? Uh, doing alternate <laughs> commentary on, sir. Why would you do this to me, Matt? Um, so we are going to be doing... I know it's my job to choose. I know I know. this week it was literally my one job. Um, we're going to be doing Io Shirai versus Kyrie. Obviously, it's rivalry month. Um, and they've had a lot of great matches. What what match we're going to watch yeah. um, is is going to be a surprise to you guys and indeed and indeed to me and Matt as well because as of this moment I don't know which match it's going to be so uh, yeah when it drops in your feeds on Monday at 12 p.m. EST um, yeah, you'll be as uh, surprised as we are. And you're supposed to kayfabe that. We're supposed to build up like surprise, and you totally, totally blew it, buddy. But that's okay. It's Eo versus Kyrie. So, um, I will just take this moment to apologize. I know that the internet connection between me and Matt is not great. I don't know if you can hear it on your end, Matt. Um, it's my internet. Unfortunately, they're doing work on it at the moment. Um, so it's going to keep crackling in and out, and uh, I'll do my best to sort it in post but if i don't please bear with us hopefully it's not a permanent thing it's just i apparently live in an internet black hole who knew um but matt did mention um that we have just an absolute slew of new patreon members which honestly we can't thank you enough we really really can't and uh, i just want to give those patrons a bit of a shout out so yeah thank you so much to paul seaman andrew jacob john norman peter melnick ryan mark pete polanski richard marie nardone andy header chad lasher aaron zacharias and neil kapelka thank you so much to all of you guys for joining our patreon this week we massively massively appreciate you guys and your support um and honestly i'm buzzing for the new things that we are going to be bringing the patreon and uh, hopefully we'll be bringing some manner of relaunch episode um where we're going to talk about all the new things that we're going to be bringing in uh, over the next couple of days matt yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of cool new stuff. I mean, you're going back and forth, revamping what we're going to be doing with Patreon coming up in May. Again, we're still going to have, uh, this is Rivalry Month, and then next month is Momo Wantanabe March Madness. Uh, April is insane, April, and then May will kick off our brand new uh, uh, Patreon. It's a lot of extra stuff. I mean, it's just, if you're if you're happy what you're getting, you're more than nothing's changing. If anything, you're getting more. Um, but uh, I know me and you, Rob, we talked about we're going to do uh, like a bonus episode sometime in the next few days, just basically covering what's coming up on the Patreon. So this way, uh, any questions, comments, and uh, you know, just let us know and uh, get back to us um, on anything. And this way, you have a an idea of what's coming up. But uh, I just want to say a lot of the new Patreon members I talked to, and a lot of the reasons why they joined the Patreon is your website, sir. They uh, they were asking certain things about the the Patreon, and I basically said, you know, go on the website to take a look at. We have the back catalog. It's almost like a menu of what's there. And get doesn't cost anything. Look, you know, the stardomcast.com. Sure, we'll plug it at the end of the episode. But all the uh, what's on there for the white belt tier and red belt tier, just in the back catalog, is is on there. So kudos to you, sir, 
and busting your ass on what is a fantastic website. Oh, thank you very much. Um, yeah, it's it, it's a good resource for those who are just getting into stardom. Um, you've got all sorts up there. You've got the towel histories, like I say, all the results. Um, our entire back catalogue of podcasts. Um, I just need to upload some of the older ones from our free feed, but all the Patreon episodes are up there. Everything you could possibly want as a stardom fan. Um, but enough of that let's talk about some news and the first thing possibly one of the most exciting things is that we have a brand new date for the azumi and starlight kid high speed championship match if you remember this was supposed to take place a few weeks back but unfortunately couldn't due to starlight kids poor physical condition um according to members of our discord it was explicitly said by rossi that it wasn't covid related so i don't know if it was just a small injury or just general ill health i don't know but that new date for azumi and starlight kid is going to be at the national yoyogi stadium on march the 4th which of course is the finals of the triangle derby now matt there's a couple of things here first of all very exciting match to have on the card um secondly do you see Starlight Kid dethroning Azumi? And thirdly, unless Azumi's pulling double duty, this takes Queen's Quest out of the running for the Triangle Derby. Oh my goodness, I didn't even think about that. Oh, for the first time in a year and change, Rob Goodman's broke my heart live on the air, folks. Broke <laughs> my heart. Oh my goodness, I didn't even think. Well, it might even be triple duty because don't aren't they doing the blocks? And then the block final, like how they do um, for all the other tournaments, the Cinderella, they at least do the semifinals, finals the same night. Same thing with uh, the, the Tag League and uh, and the Five Star as well. So do, you, do we know if that's what they're doing, like they do with the other three tournaments? I mean, to be fair, if they are, it is a six-woman tag. So it's not like, you know, Siren Utami could do a huge swath of the um heavy lifting in that match. So it's not like it's Azumi wrestling three, potentially three singles matches, um, but it's not ideal. I mean, it's a great match in terms of selling tickets and things like that, but it's a lot saying that Azumi probably won't mind. She's like 21. So she's in the prime of her life, Matt. But yeah, if they're not going, if they haven't got um, blocks and things like that, it could be, uh, it could be Azumi just doing this match, which is uh, which is quite disappointing, really. Uh, well, I mean, Azumi versus Starlight Kid doesn't disappoint at all, but I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. I'm going to be positive as always, and I'm going to say this is a pay-per-view that we're going to see. I'm assuming a pay-per-view that we're going to see Azumi wrestle not once, not twice, but three times. So if you like Azumi, you're going to enjoy this show. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. I say we're going to see her wrestle three times. Um, I mean, yes, we have got the semifinals. Um, so the person, the top two are going to qualify from each block. So at the moment, the only match is announced for the uh, Triangle Derby final on the 4th of March are that aforementioned high-speed championship match. And then the two semifinals with the team finishing top of red block taking on the team finishing second in blue block and then vice versa in the other semi-final. And then, of course, the other final, the rest of the card, is yet to be announced. So you're absolutely right, Matt. We could potentially 
be seeing Azumi three times. But I'm of the opinion that the more Azumi, the better, because I think she's great. Um, that brings me to the second part of that question, Matt. Do you think Azumi retains, or do you think Starlight Kid takes the belt? Now, presuming that we have no uh, title defenses in the lead-up to this, if Azumi wins she moves clear of Mayu Iwatani on 10 tile defenses, the most in a single reign. You would hope that Stardom, a company who are very aware of the own, of their records and their history, you would hope that they would give Azumi the chance to break that record, Matt. Yeah, I mean, we just saw, and obviously we'll talk about it uh, here in you know, just a few moments. Stardom really seems like they're breaking records. Uh, you know, we saw it with, Saya just this past weekend. I think we will see Azumi. And who better? Who better to uh, for Azumi to defeat than her eternal foe, Starlight Kid, who, again, we just did the uh, alternate commentary and uh, the uh, <laughs> dropping in your feed sometime in the next week, Azumi versus Starlight Kid, the, uh, the rivalry on the Patreon. So uh, what really good timing on that one, buddy. We lucked out. But, yeah, I think she will. And again, who better to do it than uh, her eternal foe and the person that she beat for the championship one year ago? Absolutely. I can't think of a better match. Um, I I personally do think that Azumi retains. Um, it would be really good for her reign, for her to get a clean win over Starlight Kid. Hopefully we don't get much, too much Oeditai interference, but I don't think we're quite at the point yet where Azumi versus Starlight Kid could main event a, a big arena show. I think in the next 18 months, these two could quite easily, especially if you look at, you know, in 18 months, you could quite easily have one of these two holding the white belt. That I would happily see at the upper echelon of a card at, you know, a Yoyogi National Stadium or, you know, a an Eddian arena and I'm sure that that would sell tickets but at the moment I don't think we're quite there yet am I just being a little bit too negative Matt or are you of the same opinion uh, I agree with you just because it, if it's for the high speed belt um, as great as a job as the last three champions not supposed to like it and Izumi have done with the belt if you're going to main event a show a big show it's got to either have the white belt or the red belt on it obviously I think these two are going to get their cracks at holding both those belts but uh for the high speed championship no but again year year and a half if it's the white belt and or the red belt or maybe even the finals of a five-star grand prix then uh then yeah that's when i can see it but not just yet so as per usual sir i'm in agreement with you uh, moving on a little bit, obviously we have got the culmination of the Triangle Derby, which we've been talking about a little bit there. Um, and on Friday, February the 17th, the tournament will roll into Corrigan Hall again. Um, and this show is of importance because this is where we will be introduced to the newest trainees that are in the Stardom Dojo. Now, off the top of my head... Obviously, we've had Lady C, we've had Miwamasaki and Waka. I think Waka might be the late, the last one to come out of the Stardom Dojo that I remember. I'm sure I've missed someone and someone will go, you've forgotten this person. Um, in fact, no, Waka Sukiyama came from, did she come from Actress? Or did she come from TW, uh, TJP? I don't remember. Anyway, I know that Miyu Amasaki came through the Stardom Dojo, so she, if it isn't Waka, it'll be Miyu. I'm really intrigued because one of the things I love about New Japan Pro Wrestling 
is their young lion system and how they all brought through. They go off into excursion and then come back and you're like, oh my God, look at how good they've gotten. I want that for stardom. So to see the latest crop of people that we could be seeing in four or five years in huge profile matches for stardom and being able to watch their journey, I'm very, very excited about that. Yeah, I mean, again, we talk about it all the time that if you're in the proper dojo and training and you're in the stardom dojo, you know, I know Milano Collection AT is a trainer there. I'm assuming Mayu uh, does her due diligence there as well. I'm sure she's walking through a Hazuki, I believe, is like one of the trainers. And I know with the with everything being under Bushi Road, there's been plenty of times that Jushin Liger's, you know, come through for some guest training spots, Yuji Nagata for some guest training spots. So you're going to be trained by the best of the best of the best. And then once you get out of that system, you're going to be in the ring with the Saidas, with the Hazukis, with the Mayus, with the Hannons, with the Julias. So not only you can be trained by just some of the best wrestlers past, present, and future, you know, both on the male and female side, but then you're going to be throwing, you know, you know, for the frying pan right into the fryer, you know, with the Utamis and the Sayas and whatnot. So these wrestlers are only going to get better. So yeah, it's going to be uh great to see progression i think there was was it three four trainees rob does it say what's there or am i just making that number up uh, i think you might be making that number up matt but you in the in, <laughs> I the, tweet, a lot of stuff. <laughs> in the specific tweet um that the english we are stardom channel put out um it just says introduce the newest trainees um you might have read that somewhere else um i don't know um so that is very exciting um the last piece of news that we've got as well that is also very very exciting uh we seem to be covering a little bit about ring katakura recently um but post wrestling um have announced that she is expecting her first child um which is amazing news obviously we know that she's just got married um she's taking a step away from the ring to move to canada with her new husband and um obviously they are now expecting their first child so uh, obviously we wish them nothing but happiness and we wish them well um as they embark on this new journey map i did not know that so uh, after you broke my heart you mended it so quickly my friend as uh, i love hearing anything about that i love love i love when people are just happy and uh, creating new life there's nothing better in the world than uh, than a beautiful new baby so god bless them and uh, and best of luck and congratulations um, let's kick straight in then to the show review for Stardom Supreme Fight 2023. This is the show that took place on Saturday, the 4th of February, 2023. It has just, as we record on the 9th of February, it has gone up on Stardom World today. So if you didn't pay-per-view it or <clears throat> legally stream it, then you can go and check that out. Now we were at the Edian arena in osaka and the attendance stood at 1832 which started our advertising as a full house now i know that initially when you asked me my in terms of what attendance do you think stardom will be looking for um and i gave the very very heady response of you know 3000 um velkage as he often does uh wrote on the discord and added that um the layout would he imagined be quite similar to the Dragon Gate Gate of Destiny 2022 show. Um, that was a complete sellout, and that was in November 2022. Um, and that show was set up for around 2,200. So 
it makes sense. Obviously, we're just underneath that, but again, we don't know how it's set up in terms of staging and things like that and tickets. Um, in comparison to the other two times that Stardom have run the Edian Arena, um, they first ran it for Osaka Super Wars um, back in December of 2021, where they drew 1,222. So it's a 49.92% increase on that show. Um, and then the last time they ran it was uh, Gold Rush, which was main evented by the Suri and Utami match. Uh, that drew 1,620. So this show is a 13% increase on that as well. Um, of, and Velkage does make the point as well about whether, um, because of the announcement of cheering and things like that, um, with the rule of basically as long as you've got a mask on, it doesn't particularly matter. Um, since the government sort of gave out that guidance, there wasn't a lot of time between that and the actual show itself, so I don't know how much that will have impacted ticket sales. But um, how are you feeling about that number, Matt? 1,832. Well, first, I think the Gold Rush show is actually main evented by that ladder match that the uh, the gimmick thing broke 30 seconds in. Of but course regardless, it did. Of course it did. <laughs> I don't like correcting you, but I'm sure there's somebody saying, wait a minute. Um, but uh, yeah, I know that when me and you were talking, we thought it would have done over 3,000. And then uh, Darren Chatton, who helps a lot out on the numbers, um, when you went on the show last week, I, I know you always do the numbers. So I immediately hit him up for the numbers for the last two shows. He gave them to me within about 10 minutes. Thank you, Darren, as always. And then he basically sent me the thing where like seven of the nine sections were sold out. And then I asked him, I said, you know, you're a much smarter man than me. What do you think it's going to do? Because me and Rob are thinking 3,000. And he was like, I think it's going to do closer to 4,000. So we were both buzzing that this show would do 4,000. And then about an hour after the show, he sent me the message where it was uh, 1,832. But I'm like, well, that looked like it was sold out. And then it was like, yeah, because of the whole setup. So I was a little disappointed because I was waiting to get the message from him where it was going to be like three or 4,000. And I would have been jumping over the moon. And when I saw it was only... Uh, uh, 1800 I was like what but the fact that it is a sellout and you know the certain restrictions and what they had to have blocked off for the cameras and the entrance way um, you know it is what it is I think we just had it built up in our head that they're going to just keep hitting these three and four thousand marks but a sellout's a sellout so congratulations to them and it was also a very lively crowd so that's the uh, most important thing yeah absolutely what better way to start your first show with cheering fans in three years than uh, with Mayu Iwatani. I think they uh, they did that really, really well um, because we opened with the Naniwa Roulette gauntlet match um, and we'll I'll go through all the results. With, um, but basically this was a roulette, as the name suggests, gauntlet match with a series of five-minute singles matches um, with 15 people in, um, entered. Obviously, there'd be a lovely little wheel and it would come up with who is going to match up and come in next. Um, and this was for a singles championship opportunity of their choice at any match. Uh, sorry, it's any title that they wish. So what I'll do is I'll read out how each of these matches um, sort of panned out, um, sort of finished, and then we'll talk about any little bits that we want to talk about um, as a whole afterwards. So we open with Mayu Iwatani defeating Wakasukiyama with the Dragon Suplex in 2 minutes and 8 seconds. Uh, Mayu then went on to defeat Momo Kogo with a modified stretch muffler in 3 minutes and 7 seconds. 
Mayu Iwatani then defeated Miyu Masaki with a modified Dragon Sleeper in two minutes and two seconds. Um, Mayu and Tam then went to a five-minute time limit draw, which meant both were eliminated. That was then followed by another time limit draw between Natsupoi and Mina Shirakawa. Uh, Mariah May then defeated May Sakurai with the Happily Ever After Tombstone Piledriver in three minutes and 31 seconds. Um, Mariah May and Tekla then went to a double over-the-top rope elimination in 2 minutes and 49 seconds. Um, that brought Natsukatora out alongside Momoka Hanazano, and that ended in a double over-the-top rope elimination in 3 minutes and 27 seconds. Um, we then had the realization of yet another face of Gokin Death, or Fukin Death, or as she's known here, Billikin Death. Um, she defeated Yuna Mizumori with the O'Connor roll in 2 minutes and 21 seconds. And then the last match, the final match, saw Saki Kashima defeat Billiken Death with the Kishikasai in 2 minutes and 27 seconds. Before I throw to you, Matt, for your uh, opinion, um, I just want to thank the fantastic Karen Pearson and her write-up on post-wrestling because that helped me work out what on earth a Billiken Death was. Um, basically, um, she writes in her show report, uh, for those unfamiliar with the legend of Billiken, uh, Billiken is the god of things as they ought to be and can be found all over the place in Osaka. Uh, rubbing Billiken's feet is how you wish for good luck, hence why she kept putting her feet towards Yuna Mizumori. Um, but Matt, overall, what did you think of this as a concept, how it was executed, the results, things like that? Before I get into it, I will uh, just talked about a few minutes ago about you putting over your cat for the injury of your foot. So now I'm going to put over my cat. So my <laughs> cat, my one cat loves it when I watch stardom, whether I have it on the TV or on the laptop, whatever. She will wake up, come over. She'll either sit on the couch or sit on my lap. And she just loves watching stardom. So this show started at 1 a.m. my time. So about 1.15, she gets up. She sees that I'm watching stardom, prop her up on the couch, put her up. And I took a picture. Maybe I'll put it on Twitter because it's it's adorable. I, I'm such a softy. I propped her up. Nice blanket, the pillow, the whole nine yards while I'm writing down my notes. And then that roulette wheel would come up. And it was so darn bright that every time it came up, about the seventh or eighth time I would look over to her, she had to put her head down in the blanket because it was so, because it's, what you know, 115, 130, 135 in the morning. So it's dark out and it's dark in the house. So I don't want to wake anybody up. She had to keep putting her head down because this the damn roulette wheel was so bright and so loud. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to talk about that. I, I thought it was great how Mayu came out first. I had somebody tweet at me. I forget who it was saying, was it a rib that, because Mayu didn't come out with her jacket. Was it a rib where they told Mayu you're coming out fifth and they played her music and were like, all right, kid, you're up next. Because she didn't come out with her jacket and she looked really confused. And I don't know how to answer that because I can see it being a rib, but at the same time, it's Mayu. That's kind of her gimmick. Exactly. Nobody else. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. Um, I, I thought it was pretty fun. I thought it went on maybe a little bit too long. I think from start to finish, it was a little over an hour. Um I thought it was really good how they had Mayu kind of just go through the first four people. I thought the best matchup was Mayu versus Tam. Again, we need to see a conclusion to, to that. 
Uh, a great five minutes for Mina versus Nasapoy, I thought was really, really good, basically playing off their match from the final of last year's five-star. I thought Mariah May had a fantastic showing here. I thought she'd done an absolutely terrific job with her part with uh, Club Venus in the Triangle Derby, and she looked really good in her two matches here. And I liked how I don't think anybody had pegged Saki Kashima to win. I think it was like Mina, Mayu, Tam, and uh, Natsupoy were pretty much the odds-on favorites. But the fact that they gave it to Saki Kashima and the fact that they eliminated all the favorites in the middle of the match. So this way, it's like if Saki beat Natsupoy or Tam or Mayu or anybody towards the end, I think a lot of the fans would have been complaining about it. But considering the fact that the last you know few was you know Tora, Hanazono, uh, Bilkin Death, uh, Mizumare, and, uh, and Saki, that it was like out of all those, Saki's the best one to go to. And then afterwards, she said that she wants to go after Izumi considering the fact that she beat Azumi on the finals of the five-star, basically blocking Azumi on her birthday, uh, beating her with the Kishika sign in about 90 seconds. So I'm excited to see Saki and Azumi. If Azumi does retain against Starlight Kid in March, they're probably going to have the best sub-five-minute match uh, you've ever seen with at least eight two-counts. So uh, overall, I thought it was a fun match. Maybe like I said maybe a little bit too long. I really like the concept. If they do this once a year for a title shot, uh, I'm all for it. Uh, as a whole, I gave it three and a half stars. Yeah, I gave it um, three and a quarter. And we've actually had a question on uh, Twitter from Rock Valancourt. Um, he's put, why the heck did they make the Naniwa roulette match so freaking complicated? It was too long and confusing. I do agree that it went perhaps a little bit too long. Um, uh, I think it can be smoothed out as a concept, but I also do like this as opposed to just a rumble where winning the rumble never really amounted to anything. You had Yunagi who won the one at um, Budokan. Nothing really happened because of that. You had the uh, Ruaka 1-1 and nothing really happened there. Um, and recently we've had rumbles where the winner has... Nothing's happened. So to have something like this where you've got all the people who can't get onto the main card who are, who, or who are being cooled off, I think it's a great idea to do something like this. I think 15 people might be a little bit too many. Um, but I think Saki was a great shout because it was someone we didn't expect at all um it's something that both of us have said at varying points on this podcast that saki in the high speed division just is a match made in heaven and that they finally pulled the trigger on it is absolutely outstanding and whether she does fight starlight kid or azumi i personally think it'll be azumi um i think it'll be great um it'll be a really 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 good match I do, do i see saki taking the belt um it's an interesting Possibly. one. I mean, yeah. if Azumi was to win, if Azumi wins and retains over Starlight Kid, breaks that successful defense record, why the hell not? Why the hell not? Because ultimately, Azumi has run through every other challenger. So why not give it to Saki? And why not let Saki have a run with it? Um, I think Saki's perfect for the division. Um, I think it's a really, really, really good uh, good choice. It also puts a bit of a spotlight on the high-speed division, which, you know, we automatically assume that it's going to be a white belt or a red belt shot. But why the hell not? Why why not put a spotlight on this title? It would have been interesting to see what she'd have done if she'd have called out the SWA belt, which is still sitting in some sort of limbo at the moment. But even so, um, yeah, I think, it, I think the total runtime was about an hour and five minutes, which... 
is too long, but there wasn't a pre-show on this show, so it's sort of acted as your pre-show as well. Can we talk a minute as well about, yes, Mayu Iwatani came out first, but Wakasuki Yama's reaction. Oh, my God. Yeah, everybody on this show got over. Uh, really, really. I was so... I literally have notes of just everybody who got over. And I just stopped everybody. Everybody on this show was over. Uh, it was just absolutely insane. It's just really good to see that uh, where stardom and just wrestling in Japan is going to be going moving forward because I believe the restrictions lifted and I believe in the entire country. So I think from going on uh, this place for uh, from this show forward, every show in Japan is going to be uh, able to cheer and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. She came out like uh, she was Macho Man Randy Savage in 1980. No doubt about that, buddy. <laughs> and to be perfectly honest, actually, Mayu gave a lot of offense to Wacker as well before finishing her off with the dragon. So, uh, yeah, big things for Wacker. And it's funny, actually, you should, we should mention Wacker because, as is often in the case with these pay-per-views, once the first match happens, we get a slew of uh, announcements. The first is that we will be having a Fukuoka Goddess Legend show that is announced for the 4th of May in Fukuoka. Um, we had one similar last year, which I believe was the Fukuoka Goddess Festival, and that was main evented by Sayaka Kamatani versus Micah for the white belt. Obviously, Micah, a, a Fukuoka native, along with Hazuki and Kogama. So we'll probably see those in some manner of prevalent position on the card. Maybe that is where Hazuki will challenge for Sayaka Kamatani's white belt. It would make sense. Um, we also got the announcement that the Cinderella 2023 tournament will be, once again, the biggest field ever with 36 entrants. Uh, they announced 34 of those entrants with two um, to be confirmed, let's say. So I'll run through who was announced. We had Azumi, Utami, Sayakamatani, Miyawamasaki, Hina, Lady C. Uh, two-time winner Mayu Utani, Momokogo, Hazuki, Kogama, Saida, Hanan, Natsukatora, Saki Kashima, Starlight Kid, uh, the debutante Haruka Umasaki, Ruaka, Rina, uh, the 2018 winner Momo Watanabe, Suri, debutante Amisori, oh no, Amisori was in last year, Ignore Me, Mirai, the 2022 winner, the debutante, that's who I meant, the Tomoka Inaba, Nene Takahashi, Yuna Mizumori, another debutante, Julia, the winner of the 2020 tournament, Tekla, Micah, Himika, May Sakurai, Tam Nakano, Natsupoi, another debutante in Mariah May, and Mina Shirakawa. Um, so, Matt, a couple of questions there. Um, are you still convinced that, um, I believe, Hazuki you think is going to win? Is that right? I still think it's Suzuki. Obviously, we'll have to wait till the brackets uh, roll out. You just reminded me, and we'll we'll talk about it either on next week or when we do the uh, Patreon uh, episode that there is going to be a we're going to be doing a, another contest for the Patreon members for the Cinderella tournament. But yeah, um, I still have Suzuki. Obviously, we don't know the brackets that are laid out, and uh, we don't know who the other two mystery people are going to be. But obviously, I'd love this field. Um, the more awesome stardom wrestlers, you know, the better. Obviously, Mariah May, I'm super impressed with. And obviously, Tomoka Inaba is in the field as well. I'm hoping maybe Suzu Suzuki and Risa Sarah, maybe they just didn't announce them because they're waiting to see if they can get them on dates. I hope that they're uh, in this tournament as well. But uh, yeah, another largest field ever. But again, when all those wrestlers are as good as they are, I, I have no problem with it. No, absolutely not. Um, obviously, two remaining. The one big omission that I managed to see was Wakasuki Yama. 
Um, obviously, this show is the 26th, I believe, of March, which is, I can't remember off the top of my head, when the New Blood Premium show is where she's taking on uh, Nene Takahashi. Um, simply because I'm wondering if they're waiting on the result of that match before announcing her in the tournament or whether she's just not going to be in the tournament. It would be a strange one to just omit her, but there we are. Obviously, two remaining, Matt. Who else would you like to see in the tournament? Well, I mean, let's let's break the news here, buddy. The best team in all of stardom, Rob Goodwin and Matt Turner. You know, <laughs> let's... let's uh, right? I, we, we look great in that Cinderella dress, buddy, at the end of the tournament. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Late breaking news, folks. Dave Meltzer, Brian Alvarez, Beecher, Harna. We got the scoops here in the stardom cast. Um, Suzu, Risa, um, uh, Mayu Yuguki. Um, is, is Saki from uh, Colors slash Cosmic Angels in there? Not as of yet, no. I would love to see her. I mean, I think she's, I'm super impressed by her and, and just the way that she fits into this uh, current uh, incarnation of Cosmic Angel. So there'd be a lot of people there, but obviously I think one and two, if you're asking me, would be uh, Suzu and Risa. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Mayu Yukihi um, from Rebel and Enemy. Again, she's looked really, really strong during this Triangle Derby, and I think we've both said that Stardom are cl- pardon me, clearly very, very high on us. So... We'll see anyway. I'm sure we'll have some sort of press conference where the brackets will be announced and we will have um, the other two names mentioned. Finally, and uh, I imagine Matt was unable to contain himself at the announcement of this, that Meltier uh-huh. will be releasing their debut album, Tears Tale, and it'll be released on April 19th, 2023. Double Frontier, their theme song, will be on there. Um, and there is confirmed another song called Flowing. Um, Matt, I imagine you've already pre-ordered the album, the special edition. You'll have it on vinyl, like the limited edition ones. Um, how excited were you when you found this out? Well, you said flowing. My heart is flowing. Uh, my heart is <laughs> fluttering and flowing, sir. I'm going to pre-order this on CD, on vinyl, on 8-track, cassette, you name it. I'm pre-ordering it. Don't even have an 8-track player, but I'm going to order it on one. I don't care. I don't even have a CD. When I got my – I'm so lucky with my job. I have uh, I get a company car, a new company car every two years. And when I got this one about two years ago, there was no CD player in it. And I'm going, this is really nice, but there's no CD player in it. My wife goes, like, will you stop living in 1999? <laughs> so I don't even know. Obviously, I'm going to pre-order because it's Meltier. It's Tam and not support. But, like, I don't even know where I'm going to play this CD. Maybe in my PlayStation? I don't know. Is that possible? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm excited. Put Tam and not support on a box of cereal, Band-Aids, you know, ant traps. I don't care. I'm buying it. <laughs> Meltier ant traps would be, I mean, to say it would be niche, um, I'd argue it's possibly the most niche, but. Uh... <laughs> with, with the Ant-Man movie coming out, buddy, there you go, a week from now. There you go, man, the crossover potential. <laughs> Paul Unbelievable. Rudd at show, unbelievable, buddy. <laughs> Just turn it up at the press conference. Um, uh... Match two then saw the one and only Triangle Derby block match on the show with the classmates team of Hazuki, Kogama, and Sayuri to gain their second win of the tournament, moving to four points, defeating the unique glare team of Starlight Kid, Haruka Rumasaki, and um, Ruaka, who remain on four points, with Kogama pinning Starlight Kid with the schoolboy in nine minutes and three seconds. 
it's very rare we see Starlight Kid eat a pinfall nowadays, Matt. So were you a bit surprised that she was the one here? I was, but also um, somebody needs to tell Starlight Kid that she's a heel because she's one of the most fan-friendly over people in this show, <laughs> holy jeepers. And I, I made mention on the uh, the Patreon episode where I did with Starlight Kid versus Izumi that I think the next article I'm going to write for the website is the fact that uh, I think Starlight Kid is literally a breath away from being one of the biggest baby faces in Stardom because like she comes out she looks at the crowd she puts her hand up and the place goes absolutely ballistic like she's Ozzy Osbourne and <laughs> you know like when he comes <laughs> up for his concerts um but I was like holy jeepers like that's my first uh my first note here Starlight Kid is baby face over but yeah it was uh surprising that it was Kagama that got the uh not that she got the pin but it was Starlight Kid eating the pinfall but it was kind of cool because they kind of have a rivalry nowhere near as big as Azumi and Starlight Kid, but there's uh, not too far below there. So it gives Kagama, who hasn't had a lot of big wins since uh, her and Hazuki dropped the uh, Goddess of Stardom tag belt. So uh, I, it's a nice little shine her for her on this big, big show. Um, overall, I thought the match was great. Starlight Kid, again, just impresses all the time. I thought Ruwaka fit in really well here. To me, though, my favorite part of the match was the Yumasaki versus Suzuki uh, exchange. And I ha- even have a note here. I would love to see them have a match, a singles match, you know, somewhere on one of the, uh, you know, the Road 2 shows or a Corkin show. Like, give them 10, 11 minutes because I thought the two of them really tore it up when they were in the ring. They had some really, really good chemistry. Yeah, my my main note from this match was actually just how good Umasaki looked, especially when she was in the ring with Suzuki. It's probably, in my opinion, the best that we've seen Umasaki. Um, so that's a real positive. Um, I'd love to see that down the road. Maybe we'll see it in the Cinderella. Who knows? Maybe that could be a nice, tasty first round matchup. Um, it's it's unlikely that either classmates or Unique Glare now are going to make it through to the final. In fact, I think both teams are already eliminated. Classmates, definitely, because they've already wrestled six matches. They've only got one left and can only go to a maximum of six points. Um, in fact, the current standings, um, as we go into the final couple of days, don't forget that every team has got to wrestle seven matches. The only team that has filled their quota of matches so far is Club Venus, who sit at eight points. So Red Block, at the moment, at top of the block is seven up, who are four and one on eight points. Club Venus a second, four and three at eight points. Obviously can't qualify because they have finished. Uh, Queen's Quest sit at three, one and one on seven points. The Cosmic Angels team of Tam Natsui and Saki sit at three and two on six. Unique Glare after that loss are two and three on four points and are now eliminated. Barry Barry Bombers sit at two and three. On, uh, or on four points, and then H&M's sit at 0-5 on zero points. Um, Blue Block sitting at to- the top are Aberembo Godzai on 4-0-1 on nine points. Prominence are in second, 4-1, eight points. Gold Ship then are 3-2 on six points. Rebel and Enemy the same, 3-2 with six points. My Himmy with C, again, eliminated, 2-4 with four points. Classmates, two and four with four points. And propping up that blue block is Lollipop, who are 0-4 and and on zero points. Matt, what did you give this Triangle Derby match? Three and a half stars, good sir. Yeah, I gave it three and a quarter. It was a good match. Again, massive highlight for me was Haruka Rumisaki, who I think if they'd have built a little bit more before putting her in a white belt match with Saya, I'd have been a 
damn sight more excited because seeing here the little flashes of what she can do, very, very exciting. I hope they continue with her in stardom because she is a very exciting prospect. She just doesn't need a an alter ego. Um, match three then was a six-woman tag team match with the God's Eye team of Siori, Amisori and Konami defeating the Queen's Quest team of Yutami Hayashishita, Azumi and the Great Karsi with a triangle lancer in 11 minutes and 25 seconds. Matt, Konami, new gear, new hair, great reaction, a feel-good match here, third on the card. Maybe we put Konami into the Cinderella tournament because it's like, I know she's, you know, quote-unquote retired. It's been over a year ago. And she comes back for these uh, these random matches and she looks better each and every time. She's in phenomenal shape. Her ring timing is great. To me, she was the MVP in this match. But the match, the way that was, it, the way that it was laid out, I think that was the uh, the reason behind it. Not only that, but she came out last. And you know, you have uh, Ami Sori, who's the future champion. You have Shiri, who's the leader of this uh, this faction, and obviously had a phenomenal one year reign as the World of Stardom champion. But they gave her the last entrance coming out of the curtain, which they, you may not think that's a big deal, but in Japan, that re is something, a little something that kind of adds up. Um, I had one little complaint about this match. When I previewed this match last week, Rob, as one thing I wanted to see, you have Lady C and Utami in this match. You know what I'm going to say? Yep. No, ho- the ho- the Holy Demon no. Harvey finish. <laughs> we did, literally, that's all I said. I said, this match is going to be great. I think Konami's going to get the win because I think they're going to build her towards a match. Uh, with Julia, I think they're just gonna they're just gonna start building people and just giving Julia a whole bunch of successful title defenses. And the roster is so loaded that every single one of those matches are gonna be great. Uh, even though I didn't get it, and I said I would be a little bit disappointed that uh, that I didn't get. Obviously, no Holy Demon Army finish. I thought the match was great. Uh, Konami versus Azumi, please. Oh my goodness, their stuff was so good. You forget just like how great of a of, of like almost like a high speed wrestler Konami is. She was able to keep up with Azumi turn after turn, and Azumi is such an underrated striker, especially those head kicks. Uh, they were going back and forth with submissions. Obviously, Shiri versus Zumi is always really good. We didn't get much of Shiri versus Yutami. I thought maybe we get a little bit there, but that was a okay. But I thought what they gave us was great. Uh, when you get towards the end of the match, it basically almost turned into a one-on-one match with Konami and Lady C, which I thought was fantastic and uh, really you know set the uh, set the end pace for the match. Uh, great giving Konami a clean win over Lady C with a triangle answer. Again, solid match, even though I didn't get the Holy Demon Army finisher. But like the Rolling Stone says, sir, sometimes you always can't get what you want, but you get what you need. And what I needed was for Konami to look great here. And she sure did. Three and three-fourths stars. Yeah, I gave it three and a half. Thoroughly enjoyed the match. They set the tone with Azumi versus Konami straight out of the gate. And, you know, Lady C, who is the least experienced in this match alongside Amisori, I thought looked really good here. Um, even in the closing sequence with Konami before she was tapped out by the Triangle Lancer, I thought she looked really good. She is slowly but surely really growing into this role with Queen's Quest. And we've actually got a question later on to do with Lady C. So I'll be interested to hear your take on that, Matt. Um, um, real quick, I just want to say that whenever they have Lady C and Azumi in these matches, uh, again, I'm heartbroken. I didn't get to see the Holy Demon Army finisher. 
But I think a move that's even more brutal is the double stomp off Lady C's shoulders from oh, Izumi. Oh, God. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my God. Azumi just seems to have no regard for anyone's <laughs> safety with these uh, with these double stomps. I mean, Matt's already mentioned we've, uh, we did an alternate commentary with uh, Starlight Kid and Azumi, and Azumi's attacking Starlight Kid's arm. And she does one of the, these double stomps off the top rope. And there's just, there's no way. Obviously, she does it onto Starlight Kid's arm as a setup for the arm bar and then uh, the win. But gee, there's just no way, no conceivable way that that isn't just incredibly painful. Like, there's no way she can, like, buckle her legs to stop a load of the weight. Like, there's no way that doesn't hurt, Matt. There just isn't. The only thing I can think of, because she moves so fast and she's so gracefully, maybe she puts mini pillows in the soles of her shoes. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no clue. I'm sure she's like, sorry, you know. Saki's on me tonight, folks. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the rest of these matches on the card now are, you know, they. It's a really, really with Chihiro Hashimoto defeating Mirai with the Albright suplex in 15 minutes and eight seconds. A couple of things here, Matt. First, we saw a completely different side of Mirai. Um, it was interesting that obviously we had the, the full crowd where we were allowed chanting and things, and she didn't seem bothered about her hand clapping things. She wasn't happy smiley Mirai that we see a lot of the time. She was very focused on avenging that loss at the Corican 60th anniversary show in April last year that she had against Hashimoto. And on top of that, we saw a Mirai on the back foot, which we see very, very little of. She's been built incredibly strongly throughout her entire run in stardom so far. So to see her on the back foot selling and being overpowered by Hashimoto was a really interesting dynamic. Yeah, uh, before we get into that, these last four matches to close out this show, boy howdy. Good luck to any wrestling promotion this year that are going to have back-to-back-to-back matches as good as these four. But yeah, she was very focused. I was so excited to hear the uh, Mariah clap thing, but I was like, well, you kind of understand because Hashimoto is an absolute killer. She Sherry called her out. Mariah standing up for her leader of God's eye saying, no, 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 I can handle this for you. This match completely different than any other match on the card in a really, really good, all four matches really, uh, really did a good job of kind of being a little bit different, but yet the same in the best way possible. Because like, you can kind of tell the first half of this match, they probably didn't call anything. They were just all called in the ring. There's a lot of technical wrestling. And even this, Rob, you brought up the point. There was a point where uh, as this match was building, Hashimoto slapping Mirai. And Mirai wasn't doing anything. And I was kind of just waiting for something to happen. Like, did you get that feel as well? Yeah, it was it was very much a teacher and student sort of vibe. Yeah, and then um, and then it seemed like once we got built towards the end, where Mariah starts hitting the lariats, I'm like, oh, okay, she was building all that up because the slaps that she was giving back were nowhere near as stiff as the one Hash- as Hashimoto was giving. And then we get to the the clotheslining, all the uh, crazy uh, left handed lariats from Mariah. I'm like, ah, there it is. <laughs> the, these two had a really really good chemistry i mean i know that we're obviously building towards hashimoto versus suri and we had a little bit of that um afterwards and i imagine that's what we're get, gonna get in uh in yokohama and after this i am all for that because this was not a surprising match because i knew it'd be good despite my very very limited knowledge on hashimoto 
I just thought these two brought a really, really... I just wanted them to bludgeon each other. I'm a very simple man, Matt. I just want them to lay into each other with lariats and slams and all sorts. And I thought Hashimoto looked like a real, real star here. A real star. And I thought Mirai did really, really well on the back foot, doing that selling, being on the defensive, which again... You look at how she's been built. She had a fantastic five-star, a really strong five-star. She won the Cinderella. We very rarely see Mariah on the back foot. She wins a lot of the matches for God's eye. So to see her here really built Hashimoto fantastically towards what will you know, probably be a loss to Suri. Overall, that excites, that match excites me massively. And this match has got a huge, a huge part to do with it. And I gave it four stars. Really, really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I had four and a quarter stars. I love the way how it built. And not only that, this match had a lot of buzz on just for, for being something, you know, different. Mm. And it's built, obviously, we knew Mariah's in the spot where she's building Hashimoto up to Shiri. That's the big match. We understand she did her job perfectly. I'm assuming Shiri's going to get the win in Yokohama. Obviously, we'll preview that in the next handful of months if that's the way they go. But here's something you have to think about going into May, June, going into the summer. They could run this ba- match back at a cork and, and like a semi-main event. And it's going to sell. It's going to get a lot of buzz. And that's where maybe you have Mariah, you know, get her win back. Considering the fact she is full part of stardom. And uh, Hashimoto is, uh, I believe, Sendai Girls, correct? I believe so, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, I mean, she did a great job. I mean, those two German suplexes, cheapers, creepers. You know, you said very Gary Albright, uh, Takayama style, just just one after another. I mean, just, and she landed, those, those were safe. You go back and watch them as brutal as they, they were a very King's road style where Mariah landed on her back and her neck. They were in the perfect spot to look safe, to be safe and dangerous. So uh, yeah, two of them back to back, absolutely fantastic job here by both ladies. Again, four and a quarter stars. And I would not be surprised if you see sometime in the beginning of the summer, they run this one back to give Mariah her win back. I believe Hashimoto's a five-time Sendai Girls champion, and you you can see it here. Like she she just she oozed charisma. She really like. I know that I'm sort of gushing over Hashimoto, but I really wish I'd seen more of her because honestly, I was so impressed. Everything she did was so clean, so clinical, um, and she felt very much like a star. As you know, that's I imagine why she's a five-time Sendai Girls champion. Um, but yeah, overall, this is this is the first of this run of four matches that I would absolutely ask you to go out of your way to go and check out. And just to piggyback on your point, Matt, about running it back at Takorokan, absolutely run it back. But I wouldn't have Mariah beat her yet. I wouldn't have Mariah beat her for another 18 months. Make, wow. her, make her that unassailable target that Mariah doesn't get. Every wrestler needs a weakness. Every wrestler needs that person that they can't beat. Hazuki is Momo Watanabe. You know, um, Starlight Kid is Mayu. Have Mirai not be able to beat Hashimoto. And then a finally just build it and build it and build it. When she gets that cathartic win, what a feeling it will be. And it'll feel like Mirai has earned it, not simply because of 50-50 booking, which I don't want it to be because these two have a really, really, really good thing going. They have excellent chemistry. We've got Hashimoto 2-0 up on Mirai. Really sell that point. That's what I do personally anyway. I don't know if uh, if anyone is of the same opinion. No, you have a very good strategy, sir. Uh, either way, these two in the ring, it doesn't matter who wins, who loses, the real winners are us. Exactly, exactly. Absolutely love this match. And 
I didn't think I I didn't think this match would be topped by the next match, but it was uh, match five goddesses of Stardom Championships match. Uh, the Seven Up team, the champions, you and Nene Takahashi, defeated My Himi with the EX in eighteen minutes and fifty four seconds. We knew this was going to be good, Matt. We knew this was going to be good from everything that we saw with, you know, everything we've seen between Micah and Himika and Nene and you. We've known that their chemistry is very good. They have very similar styles. They're heavy hitters. They're brawlers. And they bought everything to this match. And of all the people on the show, we've talked about the reaction to Konami. We've talked about the reaction to Wakasukiyama. Micah and Himika the reaction to those two was up there with the biggest reactions of the night. And uh, we've got a couple of questions about that said reaction um, that I want to talk to you about in a moment, Matt. But first of all, did you enjoy this match as much as me? Of course, the psychology. Stardom has never had a tag match that was this laced in psychology. And considering the fact it was the first uh, crowd cheering crowd, crowd cheering crowd in three years, they took full advantage. They, and I'm probably gonna talk about this match more than the, the last two matches. And I like the last two matches better. Um, just first of all, because I, you know, I'm, I'm a stickler for tag team wrestling, especially when you lay in the levels of psychology here, this match starts very similar to the last match where you have hard hitting shoulder tackles, chops, clotheslines. And I thought, okay, this is probably what this match is going to be very much similar to Mirai versus Hashimoto. I don't care. Give me seven, eight matches of this style. I'm good with, but you need to give a variety of different type of wrestling. So all of a sudden, you know, uh, Himika does the jumbo knee off the apron and she's holding her knee. And I'm thinking, oh no, oh no. And they quickly cut away, which tells me she's really hurt. And I bought it. I'm so bought into this. And I'm like, oh, I'm sitting on my couch like 3.30 in the morning, just worried about like, and the matches, whatever. I, I don't, I'm, you know, I always say, I don't want anybody to get injured in wrestling and anything in life. I just don't want anybody to get injured. I'm thinking, oh no, she's injured because they quickly cut away. And did you, did you have that same feeling, Rob? Or did you know that this was a worker? Did you, were you, were you like me where you weren't sure for about a minute or two if this was a shoot or a work? I was 100% invested. I was like, the way that Muriyama, the referee, sold it as well made me think this is a legitimate injury. The way Micah is desperately scrabbling under the ring to get ice packs. The way that... Tekla. Tekla, Tekla on the yeah, outside. Absolutely. I was like, oh my God, she was great. Everyone was in on this. And obviously, once the match continued, you were like, oh, she's fine. It's, you know, it's a work. However, I thought... What and it really did put her over as this fantastic baby face. Um, but yeah, I was I was fully invested just like you, my friend. Yeah, so they obviously once uh the Nye takes her back in the ring and starts working the knee, I'm like, okay, now I know where they're gonna go. There's one or two different places where uh where they can go with this. They can give this a long again, Micah for the the hot tag. But they did went a different way. She was taking, she's getting beat up a little bit. And then Micah basically goes over to the turnbuckle where she is, pulls Himika, and then pulls her to the corner where she tags in. And it's basically now going to be almost like a mini handicap match. Like that's basically the vibe that I got from it. Uh, were you kind of in the same boat there, buddy? I thought they did really well building both women. And this was the great way of building Micah. Um, the fact that she's dragging her teammate to her corner to tag in, to basically say, no, you got, I got this. I'll carry the load, just get yourself better. 
And because of that, because of that fantastic chemistry that they have, the crowd were behind them. And again, as I mentioned earlier, that reaction to both Micah and Himika, these two women were some of the most over on the entire roster. And I thought Mike had actually, <laughs> actually managed to fend off Nene and you very, very well for a long time. Yeah, and I'm going to put this kind of in a real-world scenario, and I'm just doing this because I know it's going to pop you. And I live to pop you, right? <laughs> so here's the real-world scenario. Me and you are at a bar. We're drinking. We're having a good time. Yep. And, of course, I, I, and we get into a bar fight, right? And, of course, I have, I'm a big fan of 1980s wrestling, so I have to use two 1980s wrestlers. We get jumped by the big boss man and Akeem, the Twin Towers, <laughs> right? And we're fighting them off, and all of a sudden, you nail Akeem with a big right hand, but you break your hand in the process. Right. You injured yourself. And that's basically what uh, what Himika did here. She didn't get hurt on on something that Nanai did or you did. She's the big baby face here. She basically kicked her own ass by doing, you know, the knee off the apron. So that's what you did. You hit Akeem with a big right hand, broke your hand. He follows up by hitting you over there with a beer bottle. You're all split open. You're bloodied on the ground. Now, I have one or two options. Do I wait for you to make your comeback? Or I'm like, no, I need to come to Rob. I need to pull Rob out of this and I need to fend off the Twin Towers by myself. So basically, that's what I do. I'm going back and forth. Boom, boom, boom. You know, they get a you know, they get a couple shots in on me. I get a couple shots on them. That's basically what Micah did to the champs here. Eventually, though, uh, Micah's gas tank runs out like my gas tank would run out. And all of a sudden, here comes Rob Goodwin, a.k.a. Himika, and they come in all fired up. You know, she only has one good leg, and she comes in there like a badass. Like a bat. Not only that, but how awesome was Micah with a stalling suplex on you. That was fantastic. And then they come in, they hit the Lariat sandwiches, they hit the uh, the Tower of Doom spot, and then they, they're building towards the finish where Himika, she only can do so much, and then Nanai puts her up, uh, brings her up for the for the, the, M- uh, the EX, the MX, and then she goes to roll her up, and I thought, oh my God, they're going to switch the belts. I bit so hard on that fall out of any other falsy this entire show. I bit so hard on that. This match was great. The psychology was there. They built Mike and him. They totally took advantage of the fact this was a cheering crowd, and the crowd got so behind Micah. They got so behind Himika. This was great. Has there been better tag matches in stardom? Yes. I will glow about how great Thunder Rock versus Kyrie and Mako uh, was, and I will always love that match. There's, there's been a handful of better tag matches. As far as old school psychology, getting the crowd where you need to go to get two people over, and even in a losing effort, Mike and Himika might have been the two most, not Julia, Mike and Himika were probably the most two over people other than Julia on this show. When that three count hit, it didn't matter because of the, how well this, this match was laid out and the psychology was absolutely brilliant. So what I'm trying to say, Rob, even though me and you got our ass kicked by the Twin Towers in whatever bar we were in, we came out, everybody was cheering us as we walked out of that bar. The fact that you think I would even get a shot off against Akeem <laughs> the African Dream is, uh, is, is brilliant. But yes, what a fantastic analogy. Um, but yeah, it was... This is a tremendous, tremendous match. I had high expectations of this anyway, but it transcended my expectations. Now, my question to you, obviously, me and you might have been, you introduce every Patreon episode about how we try and talk about stardom in the positive manner, and I feel like we do. One thing we have been a little bit more negative about is 7-Up and their sort of 
ascension to the goddess of stardom championship we didn't think that Meltia should have dropped them just yet we thought that Micah and Himika were going to take them here they didn't do you think however now that Nene and and you have done enough to basically win you round as champions they're good again there's better tag teams there's four better at the top of my head there's four better tag teams mike and himica meltier fwc black desire are better than seven and, and they're great again they did a great job here Nanai, the way that she built her opponents up not only in this matches but her singles matches as well um again i'm gonna stick with what i've said once they won the belts is they're just gonna drop them at meltier at the yokohama show i think they want a big title change on that show and i think that's what's gonna happen there but I'm going to uh, give you a question, sir. I think stardom has a big problem on their hand in a good way with Micah and Himika. What I mean by that is last year we saw Micah and Himika both go 0-4 in their title matches. They both had red belt and white belt matches uh, against uh, Shiri and uh, Sai Kamatani. They went 0-4 there. They put them back as a tag team, absolutely crushed the goddess of stardom uh, fest ta- ta- tag league, crushed it here. If you're stardom, what do you do with these two? Because it's tough to like, and I know... When uh, we did one of our reviews for the um, the five star, you thought that uh, Micah was going to be an odds on favorite to win next year and maybe even challenge or upset Julia for the red belt. I just don't see either of these two as good as they are. I just think that as far as the singles belts go, I think they're just so crowded at the top. I just don't see them there. But do you put them back as a keep them as a tag and have them eventually win the belts? Again, it's a problem you have, but it's a good problem because. They can win the red belt or white belt tomorrow, and I don't think anybody would can, would complain. But uh, since you're the genius booker here, <laughs> sir, uh, what would uh, what would you do with them? Because again, it's a problem to have, but it's a good problem to have. I mean, we've had quite a few questions. Clint Jones and Victor Sum on Twitter have both had very similar questions. With uh, Clint saying, "With my Hemi losing the title shot, despite Himika saying something needs to change to be successful, what do you think is the future for them? Will one of them leave DDM?" Um, Victor Sum says, "With po- with the pop that my Hemi received throughout their match, do you expect an upcoming rise to the titles?" It's a tough one. Um, you feel that something has got to give. They've got to achieve something soon. Um, I think they are trying to do some manner of story with the tag belts, but they've already been champions. They've already been tag champions. So had they not been, they could do some sort of story arc where, you know, they build themselves up back to the belts. I want to see Micah with the white belt at the very, very least. I think Himika in the next couple of years, in the next 18 months, is a valid challenger and a valid champion to either belt. Same with Micah. I just don't know what you do in the meantime, in that interim 18 months, because if you just keep sticking them in six-woman tags and tag championship challenges, it's just going to feel like a little bit of wasted potential. As for whether I think that they'll leave DDM, no, I don't think they'll leave DDM yet. Um I imagine that they will at some point have to emerge from Julia's very lengthy shadow, um, but I don't see that coming for a long time yet. Um, I know that didn't answer your question. I feel like I've answered that very much like a politician, um, but I, I honestly I honestly don't know. I do think that one of them will win at the five-star this year. Um, my money is on Micah, 
Um, and I think that she will challenge Julia and probably lose. But having that big win, you know, the win of the five-star tournament, I think would be incredibly beneficial to her career. Um, and we'll probably see Himika have a good run as well. Um, at the moment, I do think that they're just sort of treading water, though, despite how good they are. And I say they're treading water. They both had shots at the two top titles in stardom. So, you know, we can't complain too much. And I'm not complaining They're too so much. good. That's um, what we're trying to say. They're so the, damn good. They're so damn good. The, pr- the problem is, and you mentioned it, everyone at the top of stardom is so good. Like, you look at these last two matches, like, Momo Watanabe is not anywhere near the top of this card, ordinarily. However, here, absolutely fantastic against Sayaka Kamatani. Suzu Suzuki isn't even for part of stardom and is, you know, yeah. considered by many to be one of the best workers in the company. So it's going to be hard to break that glass ceiling and get up into the upper echelon. So it's going to be interesting to see what these... I think these next... 12 to 18 months is going to be pivotal to both women. Yeah. Um, and it'll be interesting to see where they go. Here's that. something I'm going to put Mike and Himika over even more. So again, great singles matches, great tag matches, uh, artists to start matches, some of the best ever at Natsupoi. So it's everything they put them in. And, oh, by the way, what haven't Mike and Himika done? Yeah, you never wrestled each other. So you guys are going to go on a, a big time match at the uh, final of the five star. They knocked it out of the water. So whether they give them singles, tags, they're uh, in the artist division, or they're wrestling each other, there's literally nothing that these two ladies can't do. I eventually think they're going to get a big, big run with the tag belts. They did get the run a few years ago, but they're completely – and they were great back then, don't get me wrong, but they're completely different wrestlers. Very much in the vein of yeah, – very are. much in the vein, like, and I understand when Mayu first beat EO for the belt uh, back in 17, she dropped the belt because she got injured in that match at Tony Storm. But even if she didn't get injured, Mayu in 2019 and 2020 was a way better wrestler. Not that she wasn't bad then. It's just she's just different. She's better. She was a better champion. And I think that Mike and him, if they do get those belts – sometime this year i think this is going to just elevate the tag division but that's just me i just think the two of them are just phenomenal i'd i I do want them to see i do want to see them with the tag belts i feel like they deserve it as for the yokohama arena obviously the next challenges for the belts came out it's bmi 2000 ruaka and natsukatora they did mention yokohama um i'd be surprised if no offense to Natsukatora and Ruaka in the slightest, don't get me wrong, the idea of Natsukatora, you and Nene Takahashi beating the living bejeepers out of each other is a very, very interesting concept and one I'm very much into. It doesn't strike me as a Yokohama arena match, and I'd be very surprised if that's where they went with that. It feels more like a filler defense before something bigger at Yokohama, but either way, the next challenge is a BMI 2000, um, and... I assume 7-Up will probably retain there, probably pinning Ruwaka um, in the battle of the refrigerator bomb versus the freezer bomb. Yeah. Um, what was your... Uh, I gave oh, this... I'm sorry, I was asking what you were rating this. Look at that, buddy. I'm the same page. So. There you go. There you go. I gave it four and a half, man. I absolutely love this. Uh, four and a half is me. For me as well, sir. Now, match six, or semi-main, was the Wonder of Stardom championship match with Sai breaking... The successful defense record. Was there any doubt moving to 14 successful title defenses, defeating Momo Watanabe, whose record she broke with the Firebird Splash in 16 minutes and 38 seconds? 
Uh, Matt, I know you were a big, big fan of this match. Would you like to tell the lovely people at home why you were a big yes, fan? Yes, before I get into that, not only did Sayakamatani break Momo Watanabe's record for most successful uh, white belt Wonder Storm title defenses in one reign, she actually tied Io Shirai for number two spot for the most uh, successful title uh, defenses in any reign with both 14. To much of my surprise, 14 is not the number one. Do you know who holds the record for most consecutive successful title defenses in one title reign, Rob Goodwin? Um, Would you like me to tell you, sir? Mm. It's, it's going to be someone obscure. Is it like Natsukate? Hold on, you're ready. So if you're playing at home, which I know all of you are, turn to page 20 of Living the Dream, oh. Stardom's 10th <laughs> anniversary in review. And you will see Tony Storm, 15 successful title defenses uh, yes. with the SWA belt. I was doing research, as I always do, and uh, I figured, okay, you know, this will be a good point that she's tied EO, my all-time favorite Joshi run of any championship. And I was like, that's got to be number one. Let me just do my due diligence. And I was like, oh, it's Tony Storm, and that'll be my cheap. I've been sitting on that one for about five or six days. That'll be my cheap plug for your book, sir. So, <laughs> <laughs> thank you there very much. Is. Why not? Why not insert one in there? Uh, but yes, this match, Matt. I know you loved it. This was great. I mean, the, the two of them waste no time getting getting into it. Uh, we get the Oedo tight interference, which I was like, oh, really? We're getting this. It's going to ruin this match. But it was for kind of a good purpose because then we got to see again for the first time in three years, we got to see somebody get pitched into the third row because we can do that now. Uh, and obviously that's kind of the Oedo tie thing. There's some really stiff kicks with Momo Watanabe in the beginning of this match. And Sayakamatani brings it back, uh, back and forth. Uh, the two go. One of the most impressive spots to me was Momo sets up a table like she's going to give um, a B driver to Sai Kamatani on the outside, and these two managed to maintain their balance. And I know Starlight Kid and it might have been Tora were holding the table on the outside, but regardless, uh, the table looked a little wobbly. And the fact that Saya hits a picture perfect hurricanrana off the table, and uh, as impressive as that was for me, being on the opposite end of taking crazy bumps, I was more impressed that Momo was able to take a clean uh, flip flat back bump uh, off that table. I thought that was super impressive. But Sayakamatani, she's not done yet, folks. She does a double stomp off the post of the of the the turnbuckle to the outside th- onto a table. I wouldn't say through because uh, she hit her clear, but that those those damn Japanese tables just don't want to break. Um, I love how Momo builds up to the tequila sunrise. Uh, we saw a lot of almost. Like you would see a, maybe 75% of this match, Momo was wrestling like a way to tie Momo. And then as it's getting towards the crux, and we saw a decent amount of this in the five star with her bigger matches, she would go to like Queen's Quest Momo, where she's just trying to challenge these moves, big moves back and forth. Uh, there was a lot of really close near pinfalls, which I was pretty sure Sai was going to retain here. But even I was like, oh, maybe they'll, 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 they'll switch it here, which really, uh, you know, up the ante for me. But I loved how this match finished. Uh, just the way that Momo sets up her finishes and Sayakamatani the way, especially the last seven, eight months, how she sets up her finishes uh, for these big wonder of stardom championship matches. She uses her former mentor, the former leader of Queens quest, her own move against her. She hits the tequila sunrise holds on hits a tornado. First time we've seen it, a tornado star crusher and the four fifty splash to finish this off. This was wrestling perfection. I absolutely love this match. I gave this one a perfect five stars. Wow. Wow. 
Um, I love the match. I gave it four and a quarter. Um, now, we've had, like, I thought these two had really, really, really good chemistry. I think Sire came across as a really, really, really good baby face. And all of this is, you know, we all knew that Sire was winning this. But, you know, this is by the by. I love the fact that we're still not finishing the match with the Phoenix Splash. I, think, I love the fact that she seems to have taken this out of her arsenal for now. Um, we've had a couple of questions. Jasper Jr. on our Discord, who says, thank you for keeping me sane at work. You're more than welcome, Jasper. Hello, if you're listening at work. Um, he's got a couple of thoughts, and this was something that I hadn't noticed. Bearing in mind that this is now a monumental title run for Saya Kamatani, did you think that the entire thing was a little bit rushed? Um, and I don't just mean the match time, even though, you know, it wasn't even the second longest match on the card. That's not what I mean. But it kind of just ended. And Jasper says, for a record-setting defense, there was little fanfare and no post-match in-ring comment from Saya. I mean, Saya walked up the ramp. She was in tears. Bless her, Saya's always in tears. Um, it just... it. I was surprised that we didn't get something and it was actually something that i didn't think about until i read jasper's comment on discord what's your opinion you know, i didn't even think about that there was and i tell you what as soon as this match was over there was 75 percent of the people that i talked to on twitter and social media uh, now not only after the match but uh you know for the next few days they were in the same opinion as me i had everything from corner to four and a quarter to five stars and there was like 20 25 percent of the people that didn't like this match at all they do not like sai kamatani's title reign and then after doing a little bit more digging, just to, I didn't hear it's your own opinion. You can like what you like. Uh, doing a little more digging, majority of these fans that did not like this match or and they think Sai is boring, they're the Mina Shirakawa fans that are still a little bit upset over the injury from last year. And uh, I sympathize with you. But at the same time, again, I say all the time, it, it, it's your opinion. You can like what you like. But if you didn't like this match, I, I, I owe you a hug. If I see you in person, I owe you a hug because this was, this was great. But yeah, Again, Jasper, great question, my friend. I didn't even think about that. There should have been a little bit more fanfare. Like, you didn't need a challenger to come out right away, but they should have made a bigger deal of it. Like, maybe they should have had Azumi mm. and Utami, and basically all of Queen's Quest come out uh, to congratulate her on breaking, you know, the, the record. And there's been some phenomenal reigns with this uh, Wonder of Stardom Championship. They really do a great job, even though it's a second-tier belt, making it, just as important as the world of stardom championship so uh yeah i i totally see your point they should have made a bigger deal about this um but hey that's what we're here for rob we'll make the bigger deal for her because uh, again this again <laughs> this was great uh okay and, and the biggest congratulations to saya kamatani and uh i just don't want to see this you know we talk about it all the time who's the one to break the rain i i just i don't want to see anybody break this rain because she's just doing such a great job with the championship belt and again, business is booming with her, you know, you know, on uh, 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 top of the card here. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. We shall see what happens. I think maybe even just a promo in um, at the end of the match would have been nice. You know, obviously she got very emotional at the end, and that's you know completely understandable. It would have been nice to do that in the ring and sort of share that with the crowd. But aside from that, Saikamatani becomes the second and only the second person in the history of the Y belt to pass 400 days, um, which is incredible. She is only now behind Yuzuki Aikawa's mammoth 618-day reign, which I don't think she'll get near. Break it. Even Break so. it. The heck with it. Break, Break it. <laughs> <laughs> We're breaking <laughs> records, damn it. Um, 
but even so, a really good match. Um, and again, Sai Kamatani continues to do great things with this white belt. Um, I imagine, again, putting all my eggs in one basket, with everything that's happened, it has to be Mina Shirakawa that dethrones her. In my, in my humble opinion, just with everything that's gone on, the fact that, you know, this seems to be playing on Saya's mind, she still isn't doing the Phoenix Splash, it would make sense to either have Mina win the belt or for Saya to bring back the Phoenix Splash and beat her properly with the Phoenix Splash. One of those two things, in my opinion, is bound to happen. One thing that is 100% going to happen is my, Mina is definitely having another shot at that white belt. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. And then we move to our main event. World of Stardom Championship match with Julia retaining the red belt in her first successful title defense against her old friend Suzu Suzuki, pinning her with a Northern Lights bomb in 25 minutes and four seconds. Um, a couple of things. First of all, um, uh, I thought the video package that they gave outlining the friendship these two had whilst they were in Ice Ribbon was tremendous, really added a layer of emotion to the match for those that weren't familiar with the feud and the history between the two. I thought it was really, really, really well done. And secondly, oh boy, howdy, I am not a fan of Julia's new theme. Um, it is very... Um, YouTube stock lounge music footage. Um, it's one of those where places like What Culture and things like that will use it as background music to their videos. Um, I'm I'm not a fan, and I don't know if it's just the juxtaposition between how heavy her previous theme was to this one. I just and I know it took me a long time to get used to Utami's new theme and things like that, but I'm 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 really not a fan, Matt at all <laughs> the shock of absolutely nobody rob i agree with you 110 percent on this i thought the show was absolute home run again one of the best one of yep. the best stardom shows you know i guess like two i have two negatives about this show as uh one that the uh i said it before the first match the uh the royal rumble roulette went a little bit too long and the biggest negative was julia's theme and if on a show that's this stacked if those are the only two negatives that's a goddamn good show part of my language but uh yeah, I was the uh, the same vein. I was like, I knew she was changing themes. I'm like, oh, that old theme was just such a banger. But maybe she'll pull you, Tommy, where she has two really good themes back to back. And I was like, oh, this just doesn't scream big star to me. And obviously, they're pushing her as the biggest star probably since Io Shirai. Um, and she's got the charisma and, you know, the match quality and everything else to go with it. But when you give her that theme, I'm like, man, I'm just I'm just not feeling I'm not feeling dangerous queen, Julia. I'm just really not. But uh yeah, if that's the only bad thing about this match, because uh, we once the bell rang, sir, we were in for a damn treat. Were we not? Were we not? It was everything I knew it would be, wanted it to be. I think everyone and their dog knew that Julie was coming out of this as the champion, and that didn't bother me in the slightest because these two have such a fantastic chemistry, and there was little callbacks to their fantastic five-star match on the final night, which, again, that sometimes gets overlooked because how good the final was, but that match was really, really good, that time limit draw. 
This played off that. There wasn't the same level of emotion. Both women were just there to beat the ever-loving Jesus out of each other. And they did that. There was hard-hitting moves. There was ridiculously, unnecessarily violent moves. All that stuff on the ramp. Suzu Suzuki willing to put her body through absolute hell in order to win this belt. She doesn't quite do it here. But good God... And I've seen a load of praise for this match, and it's all leveled at Suzu Suzuki, and rightly so. She wrestled a phenomenal match. She is a, a absolute talent, and I can see her being a huge, huge star later on. Whether it is in stardom or whether it's in different promotions, she is going to be a star. But Julia was there every single step of the way. And I thought Julia had to wrestle a little bit of a different style, now that she's champion, she started a lot slower. Even when she was challenging Suri at the end of last year, um, this was a different style because she is the one who is sort of leading that match, being the champion. And there was a quite a slow start, a lot of chain wrestling, a lot of mat wrestling, before it escalated into that violence that we knew we'd get, Matt. Did you get that as well? A thousand or? percent. But, you know, when you're the champion, you're setting the pace. And Julia, I, I talk about this almost on a weekly basis. Her more than anybody in stardom, it doesn't matter if she's wrestling, you know, the person all the way at the bottom of the card or the person that's right next to her at the top of the card. She does everything in their power to make them look as good as possible, which in turn makes you want to work with Julia because you're in that top spot. She's going to make you look good. And it also makes Julia look better because she just beat somebody that just, you know, hung with her or kicked their ass, kicked her ass for majority of the match. But yeah, you basically had almost like three different matches. You had some technical wrestling to start that once Suzu kind of got the better of Julia, you say Julia, you see Julia getting a little more aggressive by going after Suzu's taped arm and basically getting their advantage, the advantage there. Then the two of them brawl the outside and you kind of have almost a prominence, a Wedotai ECW style match because we did see it in the match before where Momo pitched Saya uh, through the chairs. Suzu did the same thing to Julia and then kind of basically just beat her all around the arena until they started taking some ridiculous bumps on top of that, uh, that, uh, that, that rampway. And then they started to build towards the finish very much similar in the same vein as we saw uh, Sherry uh, and Julia when Julia won the belt. And I'll say this, Rob, I've never, I watched this move three or four times over. I've never, I've, all my years of watching wrestling, you know, the King's Road stuff, love all that stuff. When they did that German suplex off the top of the rope, I don't know how Suzu held on. She lost it for a brief second, but I've never seen anybody hit a top rope German suplex and able to hold on to the pinfall. I was like, how is that humanly possible? Like she didn't, she probably stuck the landing on a scale of one to 10, like a seven and a half. Like there's just no human way that you should even be able to stick the landing on a three. So like she hits the German suplex and then I'm looking back, I'm like, did she keep her arms around her? Like to like keep the, the hold on, like for the pinfall. I thought that was unbelievable. Like just what a talent that uh, Suzu is. And then the end of that match, one of the most disgusting, glorious drivers you'll ever seen. And then back to back with a ridiculous Northern Lights bomb. Uh, this was, this was, we knew it was going to be violent. We knew it was going to be good. We knew it was going to have to try to top the other three matches that we praised. And I know when we did our, uh, our uh, watch along, our alternate commentary, the day of the show, I said, I watched these two matches back to back twice. I don't know what match I like better. I think I'm going to give the nod to this one just because they had the crowd invested more into it. Julie was the most over person, in my opinion, on this show. So I will give this match the nod as my favorite match of the show. Not by much, but again, back-to-back for me, five-star matches. This was five stars for me. 
I gave it four and a half. I I absolutely love the match. I love the chemistry. I love the emotion. I love everything about it. I've already slathered Suzu Suzuki in praise, and rightly so. I think Julia is going to be a fantastic champion. Um, she does feel like a star. Um, I just I, the theme aside, and I'm not going to carry on about the theme, <laughs> but the, the theme aside, you're absolutely right. The crowd were really, really into Julia, and I think we need to take a moment as well to. And I am completely guilty of this. You listen to the early podcasts with me and Chris. We are not high on Julia at all. Um, we thought she was over pushed. She had one style of wrestling, and that was it. And then she seems to have flicked a switch or whether I'm just, whether I'm just becoming nicer in my old age, I don't know. Um, but she's just, she's got everyone wrapped around a little finger, whether it's a promo style, her matches, just her general aura seems to be at another level entirely to where it used to be. And I think we're in for an extremely exciting tile reign. And, uh, if this is the taste that we're getting with her and Suzu Suzuki, then I am very, very, very much looking forward to the main course of this reign. Um, as I said, four and a half stars overall. Those last four matches, um, Hashimoto, Mirai, the tag match, and then the two title matches at the end, really, really compelling and fun watching. And this is despite the fact that those two final matches, we we were 90% sure of who was going to win. And even so, these matches were absolutely fantastic. Go out of your way to watch these matches. It's the journey, not the destination there, Mr. Rob Goodwin. That's what I always say. Don't If you know who's going to win a match and you're pretty sure of it, don't let it ruin these competitors, whether it's male, female, in any wrestling promotion. Don't let, them, let it ruin them absolutely going out there, busting their ass, putting their bodies on the line to tell you a compelling story. And that's what, you know, you talked about how great these four last matches were. The two uh, six persons leading up to them, they were really good as well. So overall, got to be a top five, top six stardom show that I've ever seen. Just a phenomenal, phenomenal show. And what a great way to kick off cheering crowds for stardom. Yeah, a really consistent card as well. There wasn't a bad match on this card, you know, the one complaint that people had was the Naniwa match um, went on a little bit too long, but I think you struggle when you've got so many competitors. Um, I think if you smooth that concept out a little bit, I think it's it's it serves much more of a purpose than a rumble, like I mentioned before. Um, what we'll do is we'll fire through the two shows that are scheduled for the 11th and the 12th, which are two triangle derby dates, and then we've got a couple more questions and then we will sign off until next week. So we have got two more shows, as I've already mentioned. Saturday as we record the 11th of February. This is from Hoetsu, Joetsu. I don't know if you pronounce the J. I'm really sorry. Maybe someone can help me out. Um, but these are the matches announced for that card. So we open with a four-way tag battle. Um, Mariah May and Mina Shirakawa versus Miyu Amasaki and Lady C versus Tekla and Mei Sakurai versus Starlight Kid and Ruaka. Uh, we've then got a six-woman tag, Julia, Himika and Micah versus Classmates. That's going to be very, very fun. Um, we've then got, uh, the rest of these are going to be triangle derby matches, just so that you know. Um, we have got Cosmic Angels versus Gold Ship. 
Uh, we've got the Battle of Zero Points with Lollipop taking on H&M's, who is going to end up on more points. Uh, we have got, and this is going to be a very, very good match. This is what I'm very, very excited about. 7-Up taking on Rampage God's Eye. And then in the main event, another really exciting matchup from this tournament, Queen's Quest versus Rebel and Enemy. Um, Matt, some really exciting matchups as we inch towards the end of this Triangle Derby. Yeah, the main event and co-main event look great. And uh, the fact that we're going to see Julia and Hazuki in a ring um, may give us a little bit of a taste for a red belt match somewhere down the line. And I'm still kind of shaking my head that Mayu Iwatani has zero points <laughs> in this tournament. I know she, I know it's not <laughs> like she's eating pinfall after pinfall. I don't think she's taking anything rightfully so, but still it's like, really, we couldn't give Mayu any, any points in this tournament regardless. Yeah. It looks like a really, really good show. Yeah, very much so. And of course, at the time of recording, 7-Up are top of Red Block and Aberembo God's Eye or Rampage God's Eye, whatever you want to call them, they are top of Red Block. So it's very, very, very exciting times to see. Obviously, that could potentially be a uh, a sort of insight into what the final is going to be going to be um we then move on to the following day the 12th the sunday and this is going to be from shizuoka um and we have got the following matches we open with a three-way tam nakano versus sayak amatani versus yuna mizumori um a six-woman tag the cosmic angels team of natsupoi mina shirakawa and mariah may taking on hanan momokogo and kogama uh, another six-woman tag sees Mai Wiwitani, Saeeda, and Hazuki take on Gold Ship. Um, another six-woman tag sees Abarembo Godzai take on Yutami Miyamasaki and Azumi. Bless her, Miyamasaki is so in there to take the pinfall. And a beating. And a beating. <laughs> yeah, Seven, and an several. absolute <laughs> Pasting. Um, and then our two triangle derby matches for this show are Barry Barry Bombers taking on My Himmy with C. Um, and then Unique Glare taking on Lollipop. So in terms of triangle derby action, potentially not as strong as the previous night. Um, but having stars versus God's Eye, uh, versus Gold Ship is going to be very, very good, as is the Aberembo God's Eye versus Queen's Quest match, Matt. Yeah, so you'll get to see in one match Momo versus Suzuki and Momo versus Mayu. So that's uh, two thumbs up for me. And then uh, we'll get to see Sherry versus Yutami and Sherry versus uh, Zumi. And then we will all be praying for Miyu Amasaki. Bless her heart. <laughs> Yes, I feel like she's going to be the support act on Natsupoi's beatdown tour. Um, we talked about uh, New Blood Premium, by the way, um, earlier on the show in terms of Wakasuki Armor and whether she'll be in the Cinderella. Um, they're actually back-to-back shows. Um, the New Blood Premium show and the Cinderella show are both from Yokohama Budokan. Um, the New Blood show on Saturday the 25th and the Cinderella starring on Sunday the 25th. So we've got back-to-back shows at the Yokohama Budokan at the tail end of March. So, uh, yeah, we could potentially see um, Wakasukiyama, whatever the outcome of her match with Nene is and where her alliances will lie. Um, and then, obviously, potentially being entered into the Cinderella tournament. Maybe we don't know. Um, 
what we'll do, Matt, is we have got a couple of questions from our lovely Discord, and I think we'll fire through them um, without thinking about them too much. Oh, that's perfect. I'm that's perfect. To know... I don't think a lot, a lot about things, buddy. So that's <laughs> right in my wheelhouse, buddy. You're playing to my favorites. <laughs> um, so what we'll do is, first up, plug Pedro. Um, he has asked, or they have asked, what a dream match, title or non-title, do you want at the All-Star Yokohama Arena show? Realistic or non-realistic? So what we'll do is, um, we'll do one realistic and one non-realistic each. What matches would you like to see at that show? I think this is going to be the main event, uh, to be honest with you, Rob. And I will bet you one American dollar. Uh, Julia defending the World of Stardom Championship against Utah. We've never seen that match before, uh, especially you're going to put the red belt on the line in that venue. I think that's going to be the main event, Sherry versus Utami. And that's your realistic that's match? Realistic. I like it. Your dream match, what would it be for that show? Um, non-realistic, I'm going to give you two of them, just because Karen Peterson, the lovely Karen Peterson, put it on our head when she was there last time, that there's a possibility that WWE wrestlers may be coming into this show. So I'm going to give you two. I'm breaking the rules. Uh, number one would be Murder Clown Asuka, as she redebuted that Terracana gimmick, versus Momo Watanabe. And then my maybe ultimate dream match, maybe ever in wrestling, would be Io, Kairi, and Mayu, Freedom against Utami, Daya, Azumi, Queen's Quest. Oh, that is a tasty matchup. That is tasty. Um, my realistic one is Mina Shirakawa wins a Cinderella, takes on Saya Kamatani for the white belt. Um, non-realistic, I'm going to go for a couple. Actually, I'm going to piggyback on what you said, Matt, because um, I've got a couple. And Lightning Faron 29 on our Discord has actually come up with basically a whole card. <laughs> um, and he's got they've got some really good ones there, so I'll read those out in a second. Um, but yeah, my non-realistic one is Evil Clown Murderer yeah. versus <laughs> versus Suri. Love it. That's my, uh, that's my non-realistic one. But of course... If we can get Io Shirai versus Mayu again, or, you know, Mayu versus Mercedes Monet, it would be fantastic. Um, Lightning Farron 29. So some of the matches they have come out with. So um, Yoko Bito versus Black Peach Momo Watanabe. Um, Takumi Aroha versus Kagetsu. Hazuki versus Natsu Sumire. Mina Shirakawa versus Yunagi Sayaka. And then I think the match we would all love to see. Arisa versus Tam Nakano 2 Electric Boogaloo. Oh man, I I I was talking to somebody the other day on Twitter, and I said I would not be shocked to see Arisa to make an appearance at this Yokohama show. I don't think in a wrestling capacity, maybe in a second, or maybe the fact that like they'll just show her in the crowd. It's such a big show, and she left start. She didn't leave Stardom on any bad terms. She just got injured, you know. Bless her. Um, I, I just I don't know. Maybe just me being so positive and just I'm just something that I really want to see. I think we're going to see Arissa on the show some way or form. And I'm betting no money on that one. But yeah, all those matches <laughs> all look fantastic. And the fact that me and you, sir, are all about murder clown Asuka Kana. I oh. love it. Love it. And the fact that Karen Peterson put it in our head that, yeah, they, yeah, I'd book a Mako Satomaru, Eo, or an Asuka. I was like, wait, what? That's a possibility? Well, yeah, they, not, <laughs> they let Nakamura go over to Noah. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, maybe this is possible. How dare you, Karen Peterson? We hope you're doing well. <laughs> Imagine. Um, Zafay, I think we've already answered this question, but just for uh, 
just to get a definitive answer, Saki announced challenging for the high-speed title. Who will she face, Azumi or Starlight Kid? Are we both in agreement that we think Azumi's retaining? Yeah, I just hope it's not a three-way. I can just see that. Be like, oh, this way Starlight Kid's not eating a pinfall, and they put they, they add uh, Saki into the match to eat the pinfall. I just hope it's a one-on-one. But yeah, um, I agree. we uh, both in agreement Azumi retains. Um, uh, we've got Pip who asks, do you think the roster needs to be extended? And if so, which part of the card needs new wrestlers? Um, I mean, the card's massive. The, the roster's already huge. I think with the new blood shows as well and the talent sharing that they're doing with um, different promotions, I don't think the roster needs to be extended. I mean, we've already talked today about how the top of the card is so congested with fantastic workers. The one area i potentially say that stardom need to strengthen is the high speed division because aside from natsupoi tam uh, natsupoi and tam natsupoi uh kogama starlike and nazumi it feels like the rest are filler no disrespect to the likes of fuki can death or people like that and they've had to bring in quite a lot of outside talent and whilst i'm not opposed to that at all it does sort of make you realize that it is just those four so maybe some different high-speed talent. What about you? Yeah, I agree. And then maybe uh, spruce it up just a little on the artist. Uh, obviously, because we don't have um, Yunagi, Mina, and Tam anymore. We don't have uh, my, uh, my Poi anymore. Maybe do a little push for Saki, Tam, and Natsupoi. Uh, maybe just kind of maybe just clean that up a little bit and push. Uh, obviously, considering the fact that your champions, uh, Haragi, Suzu, Suzuki, and Risa Sarah are fantastic so maybe kind of uh, just build some people up to give to them, to put them in some high-profile matches on some big shows or pay-per-views. But yeah, an agreement that uh, they just... The, the roster's phenomenal. I mean, I think it's the, hands down the best roster in all of wrestling. But uh, if, you're, if you're going to improve one division, it's got to be the high speed. Um, we've got one from H, uh, KQ. Sorry, Kish Kasai's Quest. Um, do you think Lady C is joining DDM or staying with Queen's Quest? Um, and do you think Stardom will feature on the Forbidden Door 2 show between AEW and New Japan if it happens? Um, I think Lady C is staying with Queen's Quest for now um, simply because there's already quite a lot of people in DDM um, and she'll get lost in the shuffle, especially when you consider who is in there. Um, I think May Sakurai sort of fulfills the Lady C position in that match, uh, in that faction, sorry. Um, in terms of the aw and forbidden door show i think you're almost guaranteed some manner of iwgp women's match um whether that is held by a stardom wrestler or not i don't know i have a feeling though that that would be the only stardom appearance simply because you've already got two companies who are loaded with stars trying to fit a third company in there might be uh you might risk burying a certain amount of your talent what about you Matt? what do you I think? think that lady c is doing a phenomenal job in her role of queen's quest i think she's fitting in really well especially with like the larger than life a uh, persona like with the entrance i think she's doing a great job there i can see her going to ddm um i would say it's probably not going to happen but it wouldn't be like the biggest shock in the world uh, as far as forbidden door too yeah i think you'll see an iwgp women's championship match there Again, we're obviously a big proponent of Joshi wrestling and women's wrestling. They do have the opportunity to do three championship matches on that show. You know, they can do a World of Stardom championship match, a AEW women's match, 
and a IWGP uh, match. Uh, if I was booking, I would do Mayu versus Jamie Hayter for the AEW uh, match. Julia defends against Britt Baker. I know about a year or so ago, they had some words on Twitter um, where they were going back and forth, even to the point where Britt Baker was at Comic-Con. And I started telling people, DDM, or DMD, you mean DDM, right? And, of course, nobody got my joke. Um, but And then uh, maybe Kyrie <laughs> or Mercedes versus, like, a Serena Deeb. But, uh, yeah, I agree. I would love to see three women's championship matches on that show. But I think we'll just get one. Yeah, I, uh, I do agree. Um, uh, then we've got just another couple. Um Midnight Dreary, who uh, obviously made us say nice things about our respective wives and girlfriends, um, uh, has asked two more questions and said, sorry if I'm being greedy. Uh, he says, I'd love to hear your thoughts on a Tomoka Inaba high-speed title run. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, high-speed. Absolutely. High-speed violence. Sure. That's, we've never really seen that before. Absolutely. Yeah. She, How about, there's your answer. Yeah. And by all means, my friend, you can ask <laughs> as many questions as you want. That's what we're here for. She brings something completely different to that um, to that division. I mean, not only she got the speed, she's got the striking as well. So rather than just relying on the quickness, the flash pins and things like that, you have got someone who's got legitimate striking, can lock in submissions like Azumi can. I think she offers a very, very different sort of challenge than your Starlight Kids or your Natsupoise or your Kagame. Um, I'd very much like to see Tomoka and Arbor, at least in the division, um, if not holding the title. Um, and then we, he's, they've also asked, not exactly Supreme Fight related, but what's something you appreciate about stardom from a wrestler's perspective? Um, jeepers. I mean, we can be here till tomorrow. Um, really everything, just their storytelling, just the way that they build up their talent, the way that I guess the number one thing that I would say is the way they, uh, appreciate their champions, especially their top two. They don't, you never see really shotgun tightening, shotgunning titles. You see clean finishes in 99% of their big matches. Um, you don't see too much, you know, BS. Uh, very, one of the many reasons why I love all Japan in the 90s is you had clean finishes. You had champions that deserved to be there. So, uh, geez, we can do a, a litany of podcasts on how much I appreciate stardom for, you know, for what they do. But if I'm going to pick one, it would just be the way they, uh, the way they treat their champions with, uh, and their title reigns with so much respect. Yeah, um, I th mine's very similar. It's the fact that they reference their own history. Um, one of the big things about why I love wrestling is the history, the inherent history that comes along with it. And I think stardom, you know, making a big thing about title defenses and, you know, title reigns and records. I just love that. That's why I like wrestling. That's why I like long lineages of titles and things like that. So it's all piggybacking on what you said. Um, I feel like stardom does that really, really well. Um, Jasper Jr. has asked another question, but I want to open next week's podcast with it simply because it's a bit of a long one, and I think it'd be a good topic for discussion once we've talked about the um, the Triangle Derby shows, Matt. So, uh, yeah, thank you to everyone that asked a question, whether it's through Discord or whether it's through Twitter. We'll always do our best to answer all of them, so if you've ever got a question, please ask away. 
Um, but yeah, that about brings our episode to a close. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We truly do appreciate it. We'll be back next week, our usual time, Friday at 12 p.m. EST, where we'll be talking about the Triangle Derby shows from the 11th and the 12th, and also previewing um, uh, Kyrie versus Mercedes Monet from Battle in the Valley. Um, in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. We truly, truly appreciate every single one of you. It makes me very, very happy to see people just who even talk about the podcast. It's really, really cool to have people who listen. So thank you so much. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. We've had another couple of reviews on the Apple Podcast app. Thank you so much to those people that have done that. It is a free way to help out the podcast. It takes 30 seconds. It would really, really help us be exposed to more people. Um, you can find us on um, social media anywhere you want at the Stardom cast. Uh, go find the uh, website at www.thestardomcast.com. Um, you can talk to me on Twitter at, at RealRobGoodwin. Um, but yeah, Matt, sign us off. Uh, thank, again, thanks everybody for your support. Thanks to the phenomenal Haley Stokes for our new logo. Uh, the Kyrie holding the IWGP Women's Championship. Uh, she did another phenomenal job with that. Don't you agree there, uh, Mr. Rob? Oh, absolutely. Incredible job. Incredible. Yeah, and there's going to be more to come. There's going to be more to come, um, but uh, we'll save that for later day. Again, everyone, thank you so much for the support. We greatly appreciate it. Thanks to all of our new Patreon members. Uh, any questions, comments, anything you need from me, just let me know. Matt Turner, OF on the Instagram and or the Twitter. If social media is not your thing, drop me a line in the email, thestardomcast22 at gmail.com. Again, we thank you so much for the support. The growth of this podcast is all because of you, and we could not do it without you. So like I always say, folks, it's just not my podcast. It's our podcast because we're all this together, and everybody's different. Everybody's special. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 
21 plus only, Virginia only, new customer offer, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.